Hey guys, it's Jackson, and welcome back to another episode of Reality Talk, the podcast. This week, I am bringing on someone pretty familiar. Um, she's been on my podcast before, but I just had to bring her back to spill all the tea on um, the latest season of Married to Medicine and Lena. So can you guess who it is? It's Lisa Nicole Cloud from Bravo's Married to Medicine Atlanta. Um, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with Lisa Nicole, she was on um, Married to Medicine um, from season two to season four. And then she took a break and then she just came back um, to be a friend of the show, which is like a reduced role, part-time role, whatever you want to call it, um, for season eight of the show, which their reunion um, is currently airing. So anyway, <clears throat> I've loved Lisa Nicole since she came on the show. I've interviewed her a few times, um, once on this podcast. So if you're not familiar with Lisa Nicole or if you're a Lisa Nicole fan, whatever the case may be, if you have not listened to part one, I suggest you do that because we get into a lot of stuff on that episode as well. However, the second half of the season um, of Married to Medicine, she had a lot going on and the ladies were really uh, gunning hard at her and coming after her in a way. And just she had a lot of drama going on. So, <clears throat> you know, I just had to. She, I wanted her to spill all the tea and, and get the real scoop on what really happened. So that's why I'm having her on again, and I'll have her on um, probably in the future as well, because I just love and adore her. She is so intelligent. Uh, she's amazing. She's so sweet. Everything. So love, love, love Lisa Nicole. But um, if you are familiar with the show, you know that um, Lisa was not um, at the reunion this season. So we talk a lot about that, um, you know, as well as some other things, why her husband, we didn't get to see her husband this season, um, you know, just different things um, that kind of happened throughout the season. Plus her drama with Anila, we address all of that because trust me, a lot of people have questions about that. Um, and also her drama with her COVID tests. Um, and her laboratory and her quote-unquote shady business deals that the ladies, um, you know, claim that she she doesn't do good business, but she does. She's very intelligent, great businesswoman. But on the show, that was kind of the narrative that was put out there. So Lisa um, is addressing all of that and all of the rumors and everything. So if you're super curious, I suggest you stay tuned because. Uh, it's very juicy. Um, but anyway, I'm super excited for you guys to listen. Um, so without further ado, here is my interview with Lisa Nicole Cloud from Bravo's Married to Medicine Atlanta. I hope you guys enjoy. Hello, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you again. I know. It's been a full season, and now we can catch up and kiki about all the craziness and drama. <laughs> right. I did not expect, honestly, I did not expect half of what happened, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Me neither. <laughs> really? Oh my gosh. And you, uh, I can't believe like you were filming it and now like it's come out. It's crazy. But how have you been throughout the, throughout the season airing? How has it been, um, social media wise and your life in general and all of that? Well, you know, it was, uh, it, it, it I really thought that coming back as a friend of the show <laughs> would mean that I would be more like supporting talent, not main cast where all the drama is centered around, you know, right, right. but as you can see, a lot of the drama involved me, unfortunately. So, um, but it was all right. You know, I'm glad the season is over. I think that, um, I think that it was, it was a good season in that they did show a lot of positive things like Black Lives Matter, like the work we did in the community, you know, when we went to the March on Washington. Um, you know, I, there were some good moments this season. Now, there was some drama. I do think that, you know, you kind of have to know that reality TV would not be what it is if it wasn't for some of the drama. So you kind of right. have to take the good with the bad. Right, right. No, that's completely understandable. Um, you know, last we talked, it was so early in the season, you had just like kind of came back and things were pretty calm for you at that point because... I think they just, I think when we talked, the Chris, the Contessa's Crystal event just aired. And at least from what they showed, like things were calm with you and like there was no drama and you were just kind of, you know, supporting, like you said. But then shortly after that, right around the Washington trip or a little bit after uh, the DC trip, oh my gosh, things <clears throat> you became a, you know, you were the forefront of everything all <laughs> again. Um, you know, just curious. So when things, I think things started kind of getting to a different point with you when, uh, didn't, did it was heavenly that called you and Carrie Wells, um, Toya's recycled friends. Is that right? Right. 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 Well, you know how heavenly is. She's going to put something out there. And, you know, she has always been intimidated by people who are not afraid to clap back at her. You know, a mm. lot of the ladies play it safe with her because they know that she is a big old bully mm. and she talks over you and she can be very, very toxic and very obnoxious. So a lot of them would rather, like, just play it safe, mm. stay her ally versus giving it right back to her. And I think that both myself and Claire, Carrie don't have any issues when it comes to clapping back at Heavenly. So, yeah. Right, right. Um, and then things kind of got, you know, took a different turn um, at Anila's. It was one of, it was like one of her parties with her kids and um, you and Heavenly were kind of having, at first it seemed like fun, kind of shade and, you know, that kind of thing, but it kind of, it went to wait and, you know, shaming shortly after, um, you know, how, how did you feel in that moment, you know, with all of that going on with Heavenly and you kind of, 
uh, arguing with her once again about different stuff. So at a needless party, um, you know, Carrie and I, I, I have to own it. Carrie and I started that because we were just kind of joking around when Heavenly was on the pony, like, oh, you know, be careful, Heavenly, don't hurt the pony, you know, and that was a little shady, but it was very light shade, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, naturally, and she had every right to, she came right back and, you know, she was like, is that your stomach, girl? And um, and so it was kind of funny, but, you know, my stomach was looked like it was sticking out because I had on a really loose shirt, but I also had gained a little bit of weight, so she had every right to kind of, you know, joke with me like that. And then, you know, from there, she and I just, you know, kind of escalated, you know. I think that when I got off the horse, uh, you know, she made some comments. And the thing about Heavenly is the only thing she can ever say or try to throw out there about me is something about my husband or, you know, she'll try to paint me like I've done something so shady in business, which I haven't, you know, but that's kind of mm-hmm. like the story she likes to put out there. So um, she and I have been going at it all season around those kind of things. And so, um you know, she she made some kind of comment about, you know, you know, a bitch that can't keep a man or whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute, you talking about Quad. I got a man. Right? You know, Quad is the one mm-hmm. that's single, you know. So, um, you know, but Heavenly and I are still in a very turbulent place. You know, we have not healed from the situation from a couple of seasons ago mm-hmm. when, you know, she kind of stuck me with this bill and tried to play it like, you know, I didn't disclose everything to her. But fully, you know, full disclosure, I have the actual contract from that event. And the amount that I told her was exactly what she owed because we were splitting the cost of that event. And, um, you know, she had some extra expenses because she didn't have her own AV. So, you know, I think Heavenly was just not used to doing an event, so she didn't know the magnitude of what those types of events cost. And so she, mm-hmm. you know, she jumped to conclusions. But, you know, and, and then on top of that, I think that the producers told Heavenly we had to have drama around that conference. And she and I had talked about it offline, and she had said, no, we're not going to make it. We're not going to interfere with the ministry of the conference because it was around, you know, relationships and marriages. So, you know, to me, it wasn't for television. It was a real purpose to the event. Um, and so, you know, but Heavenly is that person. Whatever those producers want her to do, she's going to do. And she's going to always kind of be the antagonist to bring up the drama. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, how, um, you know, how did that, you know, at the at Anula's party, how, I know it ended up <clears throat> kind of coming back when you, um, you had the ladies at your house to kind of talk about the, um, uh, the event you were putting together, right. the voting event, right. and it kind of went to a different place, and um, she uh, heavenly got really upset, and it kind of <laughs> took it from it seemed from fun, and then she took it a different way. And I know there's been stuff on, I think you posted and stuff on social media, the texts and stuff about right um, what you guys were talking about. 
Right. So funny story. So we left the party and, you know, she sends me a text like, you're good. I'm good. You know, that was just light shade, you know, healthy, funny kind of banter back and forth. And so we were joking over text after the event off camera and um, she sent me pictures of me on the horse and she sent me the video of her saying what she said. And we kind of laughed about it. And I was telling her, you're a hot mess, you know, uh, true enough, I've gained some weight, but you know, everybody's gained weight. We're in a pandemic and you've gained weight too, you know, and she, she said something like, yeah, but 10 pounds on you looks a lot different than 10 pounds on me. Cause you're four nine and I'm five seven or whatever she said. I I can show you the text. And so I was like, no, ten pounds on anybody looks like extra weight. So don't sleep. You know, it shows on you too. And then I said, I'm five one and it shows on me just like it shows on you. And she was like, There you go, lying again. You know, you know you're not five one, which I definitely am five one. And so after that we said, Okay, Here's the deal. You bring the tape measure to see if I'm lying about being the height that I am, and I'll bring the scale to see if you're lying about your weight because clearly you are nowhere close to the weight that she told me. So in the next scene at my house, what you see is that conversation playing out because basically when she came in, I had the tape measure, and that was light shade, funny shade. You know, I'm measuring her waist just, you know, kind of like what our text had said, and and I get I have the scale. So, you know, <laughs> I think it was kind of funny. A lot of people found it funny. Um, but, of course, Heavenly was not planning to get on anybody's scale because she knew she had lied about her weight. So that's why mm-hmm. she stormed out and was like, oh, you're just, this is just mess. This is drama because she's just making a scene, you know, which, you know, okay, fine. You don't want to get on the scale, but hey, you know, you can give it, but you can't, you can dish it, but you can't take it was kind of the gist of what was, you know, transpiring in that interaction. But it all came from a conversation that we had offline via text and she agreed and I agreed that we would do it. And so then she just, rather than getting on a scale, made a scene. Right, right. Now that makes, yeah, that makes sense. Um, now when, when you were having the text conversation and kind of, you know, did you feel that it was like, even when she was saying stuff, you know, about your weight, did you think it was coming from, like she was, you know, she was being funny and just kind of like teasing you in like a friendly way or was it, was she, cause it, yeah, I don't so know. Look, I'm going to okay. pull the actual text up so I can kind of read it to you and you can tell me what you think. It was very friendly and very okay. jokingly, you know, and then cause she checked in with me to make sure I was okay after the event. So let me just go all the way back to the horse thing. Okay, so she sends me the videos. Then the uh-huh. next text from me says, thank you for sharing. You are a hot mess. She uh-huh. responds back to me with a heart, which means okay. And she sends me the emoji of the smiley face crying laughing. Oh, and then uh-huh. she says, 
And then I respond back to her and say, when you, meaning her, get to 125 pounds, because that's how much I weigh, let's talk, boo. And I said, true that, I'm 10 pounds up from before. And that's when she responded back. She said, I'm 5'5", five, five, not 4'5". So when you're short, each pound shows more. That's pretty shady, right? But in that text, she's got hearts and everything, so we're joking okay. and playing. Okay. And then I say, that's true. Shows more on 5'1", but those pounds show a lot on 5'5", five, five, Don't sleep. Send a heart <laughs> like we're joking. Then she says, there you go, lying again. 5'1", okay. Then I respond, okay, let's pull out the scale, Miss 150 pounds, and I'll pull out the measuring tape, and we can see who's telling the truth. And then her response to me is, let's do it. And she puts two smiley faces, laughing, crying, like mm-hmm. crying, laughing. And I right. respond, bet. And that was the end of that dialogue until our next exchange, which was at my house at the event. So you tell me, does that sound like playful or does that sound like she's going to be insulted if I bring a scale? No, it sounds very playful. Um, Yeah, I'm going to send you that whole text so you can show it if you want to. Yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Um, Now, did she do this kind of playful? Was she kind of, you know, shady when you guys were you know, close friends and was she like that or, or, I mean, yeah, she's very, she's shady. Always heavenly Uh, is like I said, she's a bully, but when you're her friend, she shades you in a nice nasty way. And when you're her nemesis, she shades you in a very aggressive, go for the juggler kind of way. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Now, when she was sending these texts, I mean, I know, obviously, now after everything, you probably don't want to be friends with her. But, you know, at the time where you did, you kind of think maybe you could kind of rekindle the friendship you once had? Yeah, well, no, I never planned on rekindling a friendship with Heavenly because one, I mean, we'll be associates, friendly associates, similar to like Quad and myself. But once a person shows me who they are, I believe it. So I would never put myself in a situation where I ever trusted her to like hurt me or, you know, um, uh, throw me you know, throw me out there like that, what she did with the conference. Cause she really did stick me with like a $12,000 bill. So, um, and then she tried to spin it. Like she didn't do the conference because I had done something that wasn't, I hadn't been fully transparent. And I'm like, I've been talking to your team. The person you told me to talk to from the very beginning, we've been in constant communication plans are going just fine. And now you're acting up like I didn't do something and it's like, you know, not cool, but you know, heavenly does not care when it comes to tarnishing other people's brands or business. You know, she's going to do whatever she needs to do to keep that check coming in from Mary to medicine and whatever those producers tell her to do. So it is what it is. You have to kind of know, you know, how a person is and just know what you are dealing with. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Now, what happened with your event and the situation with Simone? Because I think you've talked about it on social media. I haven't seen it. 
all. But, um, you know, Simone kind of seemed upset at you a little bit this season, which was odd because you guys are in a good place. So what kind of happened with that whole situation? Yeah, Simone and I are in a really good place. Um, Now, when we got back from D.C., it had been such a great, empowering experience. And we really wanted to keep that positivity going. So Mm -hmm. both of us had talked about working together on something that could help to really get people out to vote. You know, uh, we wanted to leverage the platform of Bravo and to leverage whatever influence we had to move people to make sure they showed up to vote. So um, we we started we we started the conversation in D.C., but when we got back to Atlanta, our set went dark for two weeks because somebody mm. came down with COVID. So when that happened, she and I didn't really get a chance to connect because she was sick, you know, so um, we didn't get a chance to connect. And when we finally did get a chance to connect, when everything came back up, I was kind of updating her on the progress and what I had worked on while things were dark, because we only had really three weeks to put the whole thing together. And, you know, we were bringing in, you know, influencers and people who had a voice when it came to this election. And so you can't wait till a week before the event to be calling people to ask them if they can participate. So mm-hmm. um, the one thing that you didn't really get to see on the show is that we were filming in um, September, October this, right? The election was coming up in November. We put on this town hall event in like October. So, mm-hmm. If we had not gotten this event streamed live at that time, it wouldn't have impacted the election because the show wasn't going to air until, you know, 2021 and the election was November 2020. So as a result, as a result, we um, had to get on a live streaming platform. So the producers reached out to me and said, hey, do you have any kind of deck that we can send to NBC Universal because they have the Peacock streaming network? And we'll try to get it so that they cover the event on their platform, and we also can possibly find another platform. Do you have any kind of deck? So I had a deck that I went ahead and I put it all together to send to them because we were under the gun. So that mm-hmm. deck that you see was a deck that I had put together at the request of the producers so that we could actually get a live platform to stream it so that we could really have impact in the election. But they asked me to send that to them when we were dark. So, of course, it's got my name on the front of it because I'm the one that put that deck together, and they asked me to send it over to them, something that I would send out to people that I was asking to be a part of the event. So that's why it looks like I just ran with it. But, no, I did send it out to the people that I was talking to because we had only a little bit of time. And what we had all said is that we were going to all reach out to different people that we knew, and we were going to just see who was available. We didn't know who was going to be available, but we were going to put the ask out, and whoever was available would be who we signed up to be a part of this event. So we did. I asked a lot of people. I reached out to Um, you know, someone that was very close to Gail King so that we could reach out to Oprah. I reached out to, um, you know, 
a couple of other people who had big voices during this election, during that election, like Charlemagne the God and Angela Rye, because, you know, she's a political commentator. So I was reaching out and throwing the net out to as many people as I could that I knew had a voice and that people would listen to because we really, really wanted to make a difference in the election. But of course, we're going to spin it. And so Simone, she got a little bit in her feelings, but what she acknowledged at the end is that if I hadn't done all that I did, we wouldn't have had an event, you know, because she knew nothing Mm -hmm. about pulling a streaming production together. You know, she had not reached out to a whole lot of people. And then when it all came together, you know, I had grabbed several people. She ended up getting like Amarosa. Um, Quad ended up getting like Ebony Williams. So all of, I got most of the people that were on the panel, but everybody did reach out to people they knew. And so we did get a couple of people as a result of like Quad and Simone's efforts. But it was, it was like if someone doesn't take the lead on something, then it sits and it doesn't move forward. And we didn't have a lot of time. So that's just me being, you know, a leader and, you know, feeling very passionate about making sure that we made an impact with the election. Yes, yes. Um, now, did it get streamed on Peacock? Did it ever end up doing that? No, it didn't get streamed on Peacock um, because part of what you didn't see is that the company that I retained to, like, stream it, they were not very effective. I mean, we did end up going live and streaming, but it was not, like, the the best you know, professional crew because we didn't have a lot of time and I took somebody's uh, recommendation and it turned out that they weren't that great. So we really didn't have good content to uh, stream with Peacock. And so Peacock, what they plan to do is take our content from that event and edit it and then put it out on their platform. But we didn't end up having the proper uh, footage to be able to do that. Oh, okay. But yeah, it did it did stream live on um that the date of the event. It did stream live on um uh another network. I can't remember it off the top of my head. It was like uh it did stream live on a pretty big platform, but it wasn't as large as the Peacock platform. Okay. Well that's good that it streamed somewhere and I remember when it happened, I mean, all all of the ladies streamed it on their, you know, their accounts. And, yeah, um, we were all streaming of- it on our accounts. Oh, the platform was XOD. That's right, XOD. Okay. So we streamed live on XOD, uh, but the actual footage post the event that we needed to edit together to create something for Peacock to stream, it, it never came to fruition. Oh, well, uh, hey, it's okay. It ended up. I think it did reach, it seemed like it reached a good amount of people. And I think. Yeah, yeah I think we yeah. did reach people and, you know, Georgia did flip blue. And as a result, I really believe that Georgia had a major impact on the outcome of the election. So in some small way, I believe that we contributed to that. Um And, you know, I'm thankful that we all did come together for the greater cause. And after the event, um, you know, pre the event, Simone was a little bit in her feelings, but after the event, she was like, you know what, thank you. And, you know, it it, it was what it was, and we kept it moving. Oh, see, that's good. I'm glad it has a happy ending, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, 
I think it was at that event or after, then you, then your, uh, your lap started getting in the headlines, you know, with the show and all of that. And that kind of became the next big topic of the season. That kind of <laughs> I know, right? Season, which I, I um, didn't realize so, it happened. <laughs> yeah. So while we were preparing for the event, is when I found out that the uh, news person was doing this story. Now, Mm. Heavenly is kind of the one that gave me the insight of who kind of triggered it. And it was like an ex-employee who I had let go of, um, who was now, instead of working for me, she was actually competing against me. So she kind of had a good friend that was Nicole Carr, who actually did that story. And um, that's how the story came out. But the reality is there was no federal investigation. That was total, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That was like uh, sensationalizing the situation. So Mm -hmm. um, what happened back in the summer months? Um, The actual month was the end of June, early July. Georgia was peaking in the number of COVID cases. Now, Mm -hmm. we as a lab were out in the community from May collecting specimens to help make a difference during the pandemic because there were no real testing sites in underserved communities. So Mm -hmm. we partnered with a number of the churches in the community to do mobile testing sites. Now, when I uh, opened my lab in April, we put in an order for our equipment. It had not yet come in because it was taking about 90 to 120 days for some of the equipment to come in because everything was on back order with a lot of the manufacturers. So during that time, we were collecting the specimens and referencing them to another laboratory, which is very common in the laboratory diagnostic Mm -hmm. space because you know, quests and specimens out if they don't have the instruments to run it. So it's very common. So mm-hmm. during that time at the end of June, I'm sorry, yeah, the end of June, the beginning of July, we were doing maybe 200 people a day at our sites. But in like a period of like two weeks, we went from doing 200 people a day at a site to doing like 500 a day at a site. And we were running four sites. So in a period of two weeks, we did like thousands of tests and the lab that we were referencing to them, referencing to, got backlogged. But people Mm. don't realize that it was being run. It wasn't being run by my lab because we at that time we didn't have our instruments in. We have them now, of course, because they came in. But at that time, we were sending them off to another lab. And unfortunately, most labs were backlogged. That was in the height of the pandemic. So even LabCorp and Quest were like 14 to, you know, they were 14-day backlog. Some of it, some other labs were even higher. So it wasn't like I was the only person who had delayed results. Everybody had delayed results. But, of mm-hmm. course, it got sensationalized, and, you know, I'm known in the community, so they did a story, and um, that's how it ended up on the news. But uh, it was not a federal investigation. It was a couple of people in Atlanta that were upset that their results were delayed. They went to the Department of Health. Department of Health called us to find out what was going on and to make sure we were, in fact, a legitimate lab, and they 
found out that we were. I mean, not only are we a CLIA accredited lab, but we're a CAP accredited lab, which is the highest accreditation a diagnostic laboratory can have. So we were, you know, we were legit and they understood what was happening. They understood that it really wasn't in our control because once you send it off to a reference lab, there's nothing you can do until they send the results back to you that you can get them out to the patient. So it was unfortunate that it really kind of got put out of perspective, but, you know, it's reality TV. What do you expect? Right, right. Understandable. And it wasn't, I mean, I didn't, I mean, I, you know, I keep up to date on, you know, Bravo stuff on social media. And I don't think, I mean, it wasn't like it was like national news and everyone was like reporting on it or anything. I think. No, it was, it was definitely um, a local news channel and, uh, Heavenly was like, you know who did that? And I was, she, and I was, I looked at her and she's like, maybe it was one of your ex employees. Now, what's questionable to me is how would Heavenly know that? Unless she mm. had some kind of, I'm not gonna say she had a part in it, but she certainly could have been the one that kind of uh, encouraged it because mm. it makes for great mm. TV. You know, it's 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 scandal. Cool. So naturally, you know, she, she she knew what was going on. And, and the person that was the ex-employee knows both Heavenly and me. So mm, it wouldn't surprise me if what Heavenly said at that dinner table at the, you know, at that night after the event, that didn't get, you don't get to see everything that happens, but she did bring it to my attention of, who probably leaked that situation to the news or okay. encouraged the news person to put it out there. Okay. Well that, yeah, I mean, Hey, that was good. That heavenly, you know, kind of gave you a heads up. That's nice of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if it was a heads up, but she kind of made me open my eyes because it, it didn't make sense. Right. This happened in mm-hmm. June or July, but all of a sudden it was hitting the news in October. Right. If I'm late with results, people are going to the Department of Health in August, not October. Right, so right. It, you know, it, it was probably a manipulated situation for the purpose of the television show. Yeah, yeah, I think so, for sure. Um, now, uh, what happened with Miss Anila? Because <laughs> things kind of came out of left field with her where she was making some accusations about you and, you know, about things and, you know, the finale, things kind of got heated between you guys. And, um, you know, she was throwing a little bit of shade at the reunion about you. So, you know, what happened between you guys? Because you guys seemed good at first. Yeah, so it was good. And I think that I'm kind of, you know, I – I need to open my eyes and be aware of how I set myself up sometimes. So um, the producers reached out to me and they basically said, hey, can we do a scene at your showroom with Anila? Mm -hmm. You know, she's a blogger. You're a fashion designer. Here's an opportunity for, you know, you got to do a collaboration And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, good deal. I'll get to show my clothing line and, you know, how far it's come in my showroom because, you know, 
doing really, really well, and she'll get to establish herself as a blogger. And they were very clear that they wanted Anila to really talk about the services that she provides and what she charges. But they mm-hmm. never, ever, you know, said there was going to be any kind of actual contractual arrangement. This was more for her to really put out there what she does, for people to see where my showroom is. And so, you know, I fell for it. You know, I was there. We did the we did the shoot. You know, I gave her like $600 worth of clothes. Um, she did do a post, but never was there an understanding between us that she was expecting payment from me because this was for the show. I didn't ask her to come shoot at my showroom. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have asked her to sh- to post anything for me because at that time she just barely had 20,000 followers. So, you know, I myself had way more, so I wouldn't gain from her posting on her page, you know, mm-hmm. so I would have never worked with someone um, like her to really post the collection. I would have gone to a major influencer if I was going to do something like that. Right. So right. she, she asked me, and this is how I know that, you know, this was kind of, her way of creating drama, she called me after the fact and she was like, so do you think Bravo's going to pay for this? This is what she asked me on the phone. And I was like, mm. uh, I, I don't, I don't plan uh, to pay for it. Cause this wasn't a scene that I asked for. They asked me to let you shoot at my showroom. Right. So mm-hmm. I didn't need this scene. So if I were you, I would reach out to Bravo or I would reach out to the production company to see if they would pay for it for you to post. So, you know, right around that time, Anila and Heavenly were getting very buddy, buddy. And I think that Heavenly was like, you know, you need drama. This is a good example of drama. And she really did need drama because, you know, she kind of didn't really have anything very significant, you know, outside of her daughter's birthday party, you know. And that wasn't even drama with her. It was my, me and Heavenly's drama. And her and Toya, they weren't getting along. But, you know, what is that going to be enough to carry you, you know. So this was her way of kind of like trying to like, have something with somebody because you have to have drama on the show. You have to bring something. So, um, um, but Anila is, you know, Anila is new. So, you know, she can easily be manipulated. I think heavenly have, she's going to see what happens with heavenly and her. You watch what I tell you, you know, heavenly's playing her like a violin this season. They're buddy, buddy, but Trust me, if Heavenly doesn't have someone to fight with next season, Anila's going to be the first one she cuts and goes for the juggler with. Because she's got to have drama with somebody. Who else is she going to have drama with? You know, people are sick of her and Toya fighting, right? So she'll have to find drama elsewhere. And Anila thinks that they are really, really friends. But you'll see, Heavenly is friends for television. But when those producers say, okay, I need drama, I need this fight, I need that fight, watch what happens. Mm, yes. Okay. That makes sense. Um, <clears throat> yes. Okay. Well, um, now kind of moving on um, to the drink situation with Anila. <laughs> um, 
with that whole situation, because I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people. I think kind of found the situation at the during the finale during your guys's last trip kind of humorous because it was kind of like it wasn't anything super dark or anything, which I think was good. Um, kind of mixing things up, but. Um, obviously it was a very odd situation that she was charging drinks to you in your room and uh, all of that and, you know, being shady in her confessionals. Um, so, you know, what, what happened with that and what is your reaction to all of that, especially watching it back now? Cause yeah, I'm sure it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's reality TV, you know, mm-hmm. uh, did it make, was it funny? Yeah. Did Anila like find a way of getting her money back, quote unquote, somehow? Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm going to let the viewers use their brains. We don't ever pay for anything on a trip. It's right. all <laughs> paid for by production. So, you know, ultimately... It is what it is. It's it, it may forget TV. How about that? How about I leave it at that? <laughs> yes. Well, that's true. Very true. <laughs> and I think people right. We don't. That. Yeah, we don't show up on planes uninvited to fly to DC. If we get right. a casting time or a call time, we show up. So some things, you know, are for the purpose of entertaining the watchers and viewers who are watching the show. Right. And I think, and I know people, Married to Medicine, I think is so unique because I think all of the ladies, including yourself, you guys are very, you know how, you know what is entertaining and you don't take things too seriously. I think most of the time, I mean, you know, obviously you understand that it's a TV show and reality TV and things kind of have to happen in order to keep the show going and keep it entertaining and you don't, you know, I know on some of the shows, like, people get upset, and it just causes little things, just cause huge issues in real life, and then, uh, so I think, the, you know, the thing with Married to Medicine is that you guys don't take little things too seriously, you know, you have fun, and um, you, you're very, it's a very entertaining, and it's a great show, so I think that's why I love Married to Medicine, I think that's why a lot of people <laughs> love Married to Medicine. Our job is talent is to keep you guys coming back every Sunday with a date on your couch at 9 o'clock to watch Mary to Medicine. Having your wine, your tea, your popcorn, whatever it is that you like to do while you're watching Mary to Medicine and have you talking to the TV like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that, or busting out laughing while you're watching the show. You know, funny equals money. And I think Mary to Medicine does a really good job keeping the viewers engaged and keeping you laughing and keeping you coming back every single week for more. Yes, that's very true. And I, I, I'm hoping, I know I've heard things that there's, you know, another franchise of it coming out soon. So I'm excited because, you know, Mary to Medicine Houston didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And then now LA didn't really work out the way it's supposed to. And I love um, Leah from Married to Medicine LA. So, um, you know, I think, I hope that eventually there can be more because, you know, Married to Medicine Atlanta only comes on, you know, a little bit throughout the year. We need more. 
<laughs> well, we're so glad that the viewers love it. It is definitely a show that um, we have a very loyal base of fans. And, you know, um, there is another um, there is another uh, city of Married to Medicine Girls coming together. And the thing that makes Atlanta so good is that the girls are very willing to be vulnerable and to really let you into what's happening in our lives, whether it's situations with our marriage, whether it's real situations with our businesses, whether it's, you know, situations with our friendships. And we do have that transparency and we don't try to hide it. And I think for some of the shows, um, I'm not sure why they didn't make it because I thought that Houston was great and I thought that LA was great, but you know, it's the networks that make the final decisions. But uh, DC, that bunch of girls are really, really like a ball of energy. They they are probably the group that mimics Atlanta the closest. That's good. I yes, I think we could kind of tell from you know the small tease that we had when you guys were in DC and we saw. Some of them, I think. So I think I'm excited. I think that's going to be good. Um, yeah, I think and I, I even talked because I interviewed Leah from Married to Medicine LA a while ago. But she even said, like, DC is going to be good. But she, um, you know, I think she said that LA was kind of a lot of the ladies just didn't want to, like, open up about their lives. And they were right. kind of worried. Yeah. So I think that kind of, unfortunately that didn't work well with the show, but I love married to medicine LA too. So yeah, but, um, you know, going back to you in the end of the season, um, you were not at the reunion, which it made me so sad, but can you say why you didn't, you decided not to go to the reunion? Um, <clears throat> uh, well, the reunion, um, I, I do not think that I, my husband does not want to film. He is right. not interested because we oftentimes are really the center of the drama, right? I, we're like the sacrificial lamb. As you recall, when I was on there as full-time cast, I mean, they really said some horrible things about him. And I mean, he messed up in a couple of ways, you know, and put his foot in his mouth a couple of times, but he's not really interested in doing that. And, you know, being the, you know, the guy that they paint to be a certain way. And the truth is there's a formula on reality TV. You know, you're always going to find some guy or some husband that puts his foot in the mouth a lot and, you know, ends up looking like, you know, this really cruddy guy. Right now you're seeing that happen with Scott. You know, do mm -hmm. I think Scott is a bad guy? No, I don't. But do I think there has to be some husband that, like, finds himself in some hot water? Yes. One season it was Curtis. You know, another season, this season it's Scott. You know, prior seasons it was my husband. And so my husband is really not interested in all of that. You know, he 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 doesn't want to really do it. So when I came back as a friend, it was fine because he don't have to film as a friend. The storylines are not about me, my family, and my life. It's about the main cast, and I'm just supporting talent. 
So mm-hmm. this season, he did not film. They really wanted him to film. You know, he was actually in D.C. and he was going to film. But when they he thought they were just going to give him like an appearance agreement, but they gave him like this contract, just like talent gets that pretty much says they can say and do whatever they want to do with your reputation and he's like hell no i'm not doing it (laughs) i don't care Mm. it's not that serious to me and so as a result you know i don't think that the producers were too happy with that and i you know we had Mm. some conversations and they were like you know we wish darren had filmed and i was like well you know it's really not necessary for him to film if i'm just a friend the drama is not supposed to be around me the drama is supposed to be around the main cast not me you know i'm just here Mm -hmm. to have some fun and be a a, a, a extra face amongst the crew but um but that's it you know and so um after we had that conversation when the season ended i think they kind of knew our position and darren was really watching the season to see how they treated me as far as you know the drama and obviously all the drama was on me so um he was like hmm uh, no. <laughs> so clearly, um, you know, he's, uh, we're not going to both film um, at this point. And so mm. I think that has something to do with me not going to the reunion or even being asked to go to the reunion. Everybody was very shocked, you know, that they didn't ask me to go to the reunion. They didn't ask me and they didn't ask Carrie. And so it, it really does probably boil down to the fact that my husband is not interested and being the sacrificial lamb anymore for that show. The husbands don't even get paid to be on the show. So they certainly right. don't want their professional reputations damaged because of a television show. Right. So I think you kind of said it, but at this point, so you're probably not going to be back next season. Unfortunately, you don't want to do another round of it. <laughs> no, I mean... If it's just me, yeah, but do they want me and my husband? Absolutely. Um, And I can do without it. You know, it it was fine, but I don't like all the drama. And I definitely Mm. don't want to always be the center of all the drama. I want to have fun. It's very... It's a it's a very difficult it's it's a difficult and stressful job being on reality TV when all the drama is always coming at you. And so, right. you know, I would I would like it to be different, you know, I and I have to own it. I find myself in situations all the time, like the situation with Simone, you know, that could have been probably avoided had he, she and I kind of been in conversations during that dark point. You know, the situation with Anila, I'm always going to be the one that they like to fight with because I'm really, I, I, I'm not going to like, eat, fighting with me or fighting with heavenly, which one would you rather fight with? <laughs> you know? And mm. they've, many of them have told me if I got to fight with somebody, I'm fighting with you because you're not crazy and you won't go <laughs> in the gutter. Mm, yeah. So, yes. so I'm an easy target because, you know, I will pop off and clap back with you. Um, and I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm easy to fight with, but um, there's only so much I'm going to do for a show. You know, I'm not going to, you know, just be completely ratchet. You know, even though I've had my moments of fighting, but that's not ever what I intended to be or do on the show. I would like to be light on the show if I can be. But, 
you know, they, they've kind of got me in this role of quote unquote, you know, shady girl and I'm not, but you know, I mm-hmm. find myself in these predicaments. And so, you know, I got to kind of not be so naive sometimes. Oh, well, I think, you know, I think you've done it, you've shown your life and that's all you really can do. And, you know, you've, you know, I mean, this season was different because you were a friend, but you still, you know, they still kind of came after you. So, oh, well, I think you did, you did a great job. And, you know, I think it was, it was good to see you back, I think, for the little, you know, for the, the season, especially with everything going on. And I think, you know, without Mariah there, I think they needed, you know, some people to kind of come back from the past and, you know, that kind of thing. But I will. I, so yeah, did I you enjoy the season? I did. I did. I enjoy every season of Married to Medicine. It's kind of like um, Potomac and Atlanta Housewives. I think both of them. I love every season, even if it's not always the best. Like, even if people don't really like it, I always love it because I think, um, you know, I think it's very entertaining and a good group of ladies on all of the shows. Um, Some shows, I think it it depends on the season, but Married to Medicine is one that I always enjoy every season. Um, The only thing I don't like, I think looking back, probably like, even though season three was very dramatic, I... That was kind of one point that I, it got very dark with, you know, people kind of coming after your relationship and your husband. And at that point, I kind of, I think I kind of took a little break because it got, it got really dark and I didn't like the dark turn it was taking at the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It got super, super toxic. And, you know, I left because if I don't enjoy doing something, I don't do it, you know. And to me, it's not worth my family. Uh, it's not worth my career that I've worked hard to build. And so, you know, I just needed a break. And, you know, I felt like I came back this season. I made a great contribution to the season. And yes. uh, I'm good, you know. Everybody knows that I'm still never going to take shit from anybody, <laughs> you know. Right. So, um, so you know, I uh, am going to stay focused on my businesses because I have a very successful diagnostic laboratory. I'm one of uh, two minority women in the country that own oh. a high-complexity laboratory, you know. Of course, they don't highlight those kind of facts and details, you know. Um, I went to undergraduate at Emory University, and I went to graduate school at Johns Hopkins University. So I've always been in healthcare, you know. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur, I worked in healthcare sales for, you know, 10 years. So I have that background. And I also, of course, still have my clothing line, which, by the way, I'm going to be at Miami Swim Week from... Yes, I'm going to be uh, showing at Swim the Globe and Sustainable uh, Miami Swim Miami Sustainable Swim Week, um, and on the 10th and the 11th. So, you know, definitely share that with all the viewers if they're in the Florida area. Come check me out. I am a real fashion designer. You know, I have a very successful line, and um, and then I I help my husband open his or I should say our, because we both own it, but um, our wellness center, and it's doing really, really well too. So 
I'm plenty, plenty busy. And, you know, um, married to medicine is just one of those kind of things. I can take it or leave it. Right, right. Now, are you designing any other, um, you know, you, you, do you design Giselle's dress? Was it last season? I can't remember. For the reunion, I think. Was it? You designed, right, it was Giselle from Potomac, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I designed Giselle's dress. That's a funny story because Giselle literally called me a week before the reunion and was like, oh, my God, Lisa, I need you to help me out because whatever dress she was planning to wear, when it came, it absolutely didn't fit her at all. So I literally had, like, two two or three days to pull a look together, and their color was yellow, so that's not an easy color you know, to work with. Everybody had right. shades of yellow. And mm. so um, we put something together. You know, she sent me her inspiration of what she wanted. As a designer, my job is to, especially in a situation where I'm making a custom garment for a client, you know, is to find out what the client wants and try to create that. So that's what I did for her with that dress. And, um, you know, she looked beautiful. She unfortunately was really getting hit hard that season about her dressing, unfortunately. Um, Because I think Giselle is beautiful. I think she doesn't have to like do a lot and she's going to always show up and show out and people are always going to have their eyes on her because she's just gorgeous. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I did her dress. I've actually designed pieces for a lot of people, you know, Candy Burris, you know, when her and her uh, ladies that are in, you know, Escape performed for ASCAP and they were at the um, ASCAP Awards, I designed their outfits there. I've designed pieces oh. for Portia, you know, when she launched her, um, I, I can't remember if it was her lingerie, I think it was her lingerie line. I did her outfit that night when she did it with David Tatera. Um, uh, I've, I've done piece, a piece for Kenya, several pieces, you know, that Kenya Moore has bought for me and Warren. I've done pieces for Terry Vaughn. I mean, I design for a lot of celebrities. I'm just not that designer that brags and boasts and puts all the people that I make clothes for out there. You know, I, I post them, but it's not like all you see on my page because I really am that go-to designer for women who are successful, who are powerful, who want to make a statement when they walk into the room. You know, they they don't want to buy off the rack because they run the risk of someone else having their outfit on. So they come to me for custom, you know, pieces. Um, you know, so I, I wear, I design very realistic and wearable pieces for, you know, today's powerhouse businesswoman. Yes. And then with, you know, with your clothing line and, Besides your custom pieces, what else do you have um, for people that, you know, obviously don't want a custom piece or anything, but just want, like, yeah, what else do you have? So I have the Lisa Nicole collection. All of those pieces are pieces that I make. And I can take a woman from the boardroom to the ballroom. So I do a lot of suits and dresses and, you know, power power suits and gowns and cocktail dresses, you know, that's kind of like what people know my collection to be. My collection that I'm showing in Miami also has 
some swimwear pieces, but I do the really fabulous, you know, kimonos and cover-ups, and I have a few resort wear pieces, but they're, like, very over-the-top, you know, feathers and lace and sequins kind of pieces. So that's what I'm going to be showing in Miami at Swim Week because we have a couple of buyers that are looking to place pieces in, like, some of the high-end hotels. But then I also have a line called Boss. And BOSS stands for Believer of Supernatural Success. And so what I do in the BOSS program is I teach people who are interested in creating another stream of income, because I'm all about multiple streams of income, how Mm -hmm. to capitalize on products that they use and consume every day, whether it's their clothes that they wear. Every time you wear something, people are always asking you, oh, my God, I love your outfit. Where'd you get it from? So we're set, we've set up a platform that when they wear clothes, if people want to buy them, instead of sending them to Neiman Marcus to give Neiman Marcus the business, they can send them to their own website that we set up and manage for them, and they get a commission on anything that they refer to the website. And it's not just clothes. It's clothes. It's hair. It's skincare, It's health and wellness products. I mean, if you're using the product and you're a believer in the product and you're Telling people about the product, you should get paid if that person decides to go buy the product. So that's what the Boss platform is all about, and it ranges anywhere from clothes, like I said, to cosmetics and skincare. And so um, that's a program that is available for anybody who wants to, you know, learn how to create multiple streams of income from products that they use and consume every day. And then as a part of it, I bring in really, really successful businesswomen to teach some of the fundamental business skills that are necessary, but that can be transferable into any business. So marketing and branding, social media engagement, um, selling yourself and selling your products. So we teach all the fundamental business building blocks that any business needs to be successful as part of the BOSS program. Oh, wow. That's very cool. I remember, I think you talked about it earlier on in the show, but it didn't, it wasn't like a full explanation of what it really was. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's coming out in August officially. Um, we, oh. We're going to launch it in 2020, but of course the pandemic hit and I got super, super consumed with my lab and my wellness center. Um, that I had to kind of like put it on hold, but it is officially launching in August of 2021. So it's coming very soon. So I'll definitely kind of follow me and people can follow the Instagram pages, which is Lisa Nicole collection on Instagram. Of course you can follow Lisa Nicole cloud, but boss collection biz is the Instagram page for that platform for powerhouse business entrepreneurs that really want to be a boss. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so exciting. Congratulations on everything that you have going on. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for always being so supportive and, you know, wanting to have a conversation about the show and about my involvement with the show. I really love and appreciate all of the fans. If it wasn't for the fans, I wouldn't be doing this. So I just appreciate it. And thank you so much. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. Well, we will talk soon. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you guys so much for listening to my interview with Lisa Nicole Cloud from Bravo's Married to Medicine Atlanta. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want more reality talk, 
please follow our social media on Instagram. It's at reality talk podcast, um, or you can follow my social media um, on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Jackson Seth 35. And again, um, new episodes will be coming out every Friday now instead of Thursday. Um, so remember every Friday and I have some exciting guests coming up that I can't wait for you guys to um, hear from. But again, thank you guys so much for all of the love, support, kind comments, everything. Um, I really appreciate it. So anyway, I love you all and I'll see you guys next week.